Do you walk in the Spirit? Do you know what it even looks like? Today on Truth For Today, Pastor Phil Howard continues our studies in Galatians, and we'll see what it means to walk in the Spirit. Join us. It's a Sunday school song that we used to sing as children. If you're saved and you know it, then your life will surely show it. If you're saved and you know it, say amen. So here's the question. Does your life really show it? You've said you're a Christian. Is there enough evidence to convict you? Well, if you're walking in the Spirit, there probably is. Welcome to Truth For Today. Pastor Phil Howard will take us to Galatians chapter 5 today as we see what it means to walk in the Spirit. With today's broadcast, here's Pastor Phil. Old time Pentecostals say you wouldn't have the baptism unless you talked in tongues. And some of you might be tongue talkers. Help yourself. Just don't do it during the service. But I was taught you didn't, you had to have certain gifts to prove you really had the Spirit. But he said in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, the Holy Spirit baptized, and it wasn't water, was a spirit immersion right into Jesus Christ. And so I've been baptized by the Spirit, but he baptized me into the body of Christ. How many are a member of the body of Christ? Who put you in it? Spirit. He baptized you into the body of Christ. So every member of the body of Christ has had the Spirit take and immerse you into Christ. And you didn't even know it had he not written 1 Corinthians 12. Because you didn't feel, ooh, I just hit. No, you didn't feel it. It's just a fact, though. You've been immersed into Christ. Uh, He goes on to say in verse 16 here, he wants the people to walk by the Spirit. He's going to tell them in verse 18, you're to be led by the Spirit. You are to bear the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, He's going to say, live by the Spirit in verse 25. And then he's going to tell us to keep in step with the Spirit. And we'll explain that more. But look at all of this Spirit talk. Walk in the Spirit. Bear the fruit of the Spirit. Live in the Spirit. Don't grieve the Spirit. Don't quench the Spirit. I mean, we are Spirit people. The Spirit of God. We've been placed right in the middle, as it were, of the divine person, the Holy Spirit. Did you know it cost Christ his life? For you to have the Holy Spirit. He kept saying in John 14 through 16. Unless I go away. Unless I go back to my father. By way of the cross. You will not get the promise of the spirit. The comforter that will come. It took the death of the second person of the Godhead. In order to bring you the gift of the spirit. And he says hold out. I will show you that I will give you a gift to get you through these 1,900 years. It will be the indwelling work of the Spirit that will do so many things in your life. He didn't leave us without comfort. He said, I won't leave you like orphans. And his representative is the Holy Spirit. And isn't it terrible if branches of Christianity developed stepchildren to the Spirit. Well, you don't have it like we do, or you don't have it like... If you are God's child, you are a Spirit person. You're in the Holy Spirit. 
You are indwelt. You are sealed. You've been immersed by him. You're told to be filled with him. You're to walk in him, live in him, be led by him, bear his fruit, keep in step with him. We are people of the spirit. You've got to know that. The Old Testament, when they often made sacrifice, they shed the blood and then they poured oil and sometimes water on the sacrifice. I often think that's what happened. At the cross, the sacrifice was made. On the day of Pentecost, he poured out the oil on it. And he poured out his spirit in an upper room and 120 people. Now, you know what? You're surrounded by the spirit of God. Do you think there's enough resources to live for God? Do you, you, maybe you need a rule book to live this. No, you need a person to, you know, you can't really live the Christian life with a set of rules. You've got to have a divine person teach you. He's got to lead you by the hand. He's got to teach you to walk with him. He's got to teach. It is a divine tutorship of his own children, and he's a great teacher. He, de- he takes dumb clucks and teaches us how to live for him from every background. From every, every personality bent. I just read a, uh, about a, a book a guy wrote the other day. And the name of it is, Everybody is Normal Until You Get to Know Them. <laughs> D- did you know you're abnormal? Ask your wife when you're not in the room. You get some weird habits. Weird thinking. Please don't ask my wife a thing about this. Because we are opposites. But everybody's got, you know, good night. You start critiquing me. And I always find people the best at critiquing are the worst at taking criticism. They got everybody figured out, but don't dare figure them out. Because they are normal. You just don't know them. Nobody's quite normal. Everybody comes with a different set of backgrounds, hang-ups, viewpoints. And the Spirit of God, did you know what? He's been teaching people 1,900 years how to live for Christ. How to do it God's way. Now, the Christian life, I wish it was more than just the Spirit. But there is a, a hangover you bring into the Christian life. And what hangs over is some kinfolks you wish you could have kicked out. But they're like bad kinfolks. It seems they want to stay the longest. The good ones go home too early. And when you came into Christ and in the spirit, an old relative decided to hang out, and it's called the flesh. And he's still living in that house where the temple wants to, to be run by the spirit but there's a bad relative in there, the flesh. And look at these notes. I want to give you some technical definition. You uh, have a battle, if you're a believer, with the flesh. If you're not a believer, you don't have a battle. You feel at home with the flesh. It dictates the way you think, the way you walk, uh, and you feel comfortable because you only know one realm. But if you're a believer, you know how you used to think, how you used to walk, how you used to feel, and you come over in this new life and you think, man, I thought all of that stuff passed forever. I thought I got rid of all that. Well, we all wish we had. 
And let me read some things here to you. The flesh. Notice verse 16. So I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires. And King James says, of the flesh. And that's correct. But NIV translation has called it the sinful nature. Let me give you a definition. The flesh defined. It's not talking about meat on bones. The flesh. The body is not evil. Remember that. That's why sex is not evil. That's why medicine and helping the body. See, the Gnostics, they were dualists. They said anything to do with the body was evil. God says the body is not evil. Not at all. It was wonderfully made by the Creator. But the Greek Gnostics, especially the dualists, said matter is evil. And so we can't appreciate humanity. My very body's evil. So when Paul uses the word flesh, he's not talking about meat on the bones. What? It's an ethical prayer. Instead of being meat on the bones, Paul uses this word to describe mankind as a fallen being whose desires, even at best, originate from sin and are stained by it. It refers to the evil mankind is capable of apart from divine intervention in our lives. When you look at the list of the works of the flesh, you say, well, I I would never kill. You're capable. We all are bred in a certain category of favorite flesh sins. Maybe sexual, drinking, drugs. Uh, You're bred on... uh, Some families have a long history of uh, grudge bearers and bitterness and uh, uh, never settle anything. The, The fight's always on. They're just fallouts of this sin principle. And so... We give you some synonyms you'll hear in biblical literature. Old nature. The old nature's still in you, okay? Sin. Romans 1 calls it the sin. Uh, Philip's translation calls it the lower nature. Some call it animal nature. I don't like that because we're not animals. The sin principle that operates in human beings seems to be a workable definition. We have... Though I'm in the Spirit, though I'm in Christ, I brought into this a hangover from my old life. So I have the residue, I have the residue of the sin principle in me. It's said not to reign over me as a believer, but it does reside in me. Not to reign over me, Romans 6, sin shall not reign over you, but it does reside in me. So my greatest enemy in the Christian life, is it the devil or is it me? If there were no devil, would you ever be tempted to be immoral? You would. How many would just, just put your little finger if you think you would. Some of you can't imagine it. You know, if there were no devil, do people sin during the thousand year reign of Christ? Do they rebel against Christ? So if there's no devil around, and that's where some of you need to get over this Flip Wilson theology. The devil made me do it. 
No, you did that. And look at Matthew 15 sometime. Out of the heart of man come evil imaginations, murders, uh, immoralities, envy. I mean, it's pretty bad just what we come up with, with no satanic help. And so, we bring this over, and so let's say some things here. Believers are not in the flesh as to our status. We are seen in Christ, but we brought within our being the flesh. We have a sin principle within, but our status is we are spirit people. We are in the sphere of the spirit. Our status is not in the flesh. This is theological. It's, it's meant to be. I've got to teach you. I've got to lay it out before you. If we had time, we'd have question and answer. That's what I'd love. Uh, believers do have the sin principle in them. And how many of you would say amen? It's weak, but Romans 7 says we've got an ongoing battle that when I would do good, evil is always present. For in my body dwells no good thing. Now, he's not talking about the Holy Spirit. He's talking about in my innate makeup, in my innate human nature, there are no virtues that make me acceptable to God. I've got something in me that's not right. I, I need divine power to deal with it. Uh, because it, it wants to jump on me like sin wanted to jump on Cain and kill him. Uh, believers have been freed from slavery to the flesh or sin within. He goes on to say believers are now servants of righteousness and not of sin in Romans 6. I think something interesting to see how the flesh works on you. Uh, and he uses three words to describe it. It's the word in verse 16, desires. And that would be the word strong desires. King James translated it lust. Lust always makes us think of sexual passion. It was used that way, but it was a much broader word. Any strong desire to get something to go beyond God's will for us. That's the idea. Strong desires opposed to the spirit, opposed to the will of God. We have desires that come up in the strong desires that the flesh come right from the flesh and he says we have to know those and then he goes down in verse 24 he describes another thing next to desires and that is the word passions and and once again that sounds like a highly loaded sexual term uh But let me give you a little word study here. Uh, This word for passions was used of the passion or suffering of Christ. It was used of the suffering of saints. But he's not talking that we have passions about suffering. No. Let me give you a Greek lexical look at it. This word, uh, when used of the flesh has the idea of mood. You see there? And this is from Kittle's lexicon. You can look it up. It has the idea of mood, spiritual state. Some say affectation, how I am affected. 
uh, emotional, spiritual state. And so you'd get ideas like to be in the mood. Can the flesh, does the flesh have certain favorite moods it likes to get you into? To be affected by something. Something happens, and I give a Greek meaning, being swept into a feeling against someone. That's pathema. And so the flesh has negative moods and mindsets. What's your personality type? Phlegmatic, sanguine, what, you know. It's something. And uh, do you think the flesh knows how? Let me show you how it does. It has strong desires. It works with passions or mood states, emotional states. And then we all know that it breaks out in concrete deeds. And he's going to tell us that, 19 through 21, how it acts. Idolatry, enmity, strife, jealousy, on and on. We know the deed. But a lot of times you may wake up and feel, I am in a grouchy mood today. It's like that woman went down to have breakfast one morning. He says, well, did you wake up grouchy? She said, no, I let him sleep in. Uh, but, you know, there's been days I've awakened and said, the only way I'm going to live the Christian life today is stay in bed. Because you, you know you wake up cranky. And she hasn't done a thing. Nor the kids. I can't blame the kids anymore. I threw them all out. No, they all got married. Got rid of the dog, thank the Lord. So I've got fewer things to blame for my moods. Moods. And, and Carolyn will say, uh, boy, what's wrong with you today? And I, what? What do you mean? Just like, what, what, are you, you, what are you insinuating in any way? I'm the man of God around here. You're not here, honey. You're just a long-time house guest. 42 years. Moods are tricky. Did you know what moods will lead you to? They'll lead you to drugs. They'll lead you to a good bar. They'll lead you to a drinking habit. They'll lead you to depression. Uh, they'll lead you to all kinds of things. And you'll just say, wow, I, I'm in the mood. And that's what we sing. I'm in the mood for love. You know, you're saying, honey, when, she knows when you upgrade the restaurant from McDonald's, you're in the mood. <laughs> and these women know, so you, you, something's on your mind. Because you said, well, honey, I'm just so thrilled about it. I just want to set a mood. So, well, you've been cranky for a month. You think one dinner is going to change it? You're hoping. It's moods. Uh, do, do you ever, let's say, uh, think, I want to go to a restaurant that has a certain mood, certain ambiance, certain music, mood music. Uh, I'm saying what I, you, you already know. I mean, sometimes I just want to play, I'm sorry, a blues album. 
I just don't want to hear him that day. I like to hear a little wailing and something in a minor. Because maybe I'm in that mood. Now, what I might really need that day is a good hymn to change my mood. And that's where you see Robert Mushane, an old Puritan, who used to say this. The first duty of my life every morning is to get myself in a good mood. So probably your beginning part of the day uh, is one of the most important hours. And isn't it tough if you wake up late and you're running late? You can't have devotions. You can't read the Bible. You can't kiss the wife goodbye. You're on the run. And you feel the rest of the day you're running. You're running. You're running. You're in a hurried state now because of the mood. He says the flesh has certain moods. And you know that when you're being set up for temptation, moods will trigger strong desires many times. And strong desires, if not corralled, will result in sinful deeds. You'll do the deed, and you have great regret. Well, we're going to be looking at how the Christian is to live with this flesh within. And over and over, God's cure and control of the flesh is walk in reliance on the Spirit. Know that you've been identified with Christ so that the flesh and its moods have already been judged and crucified, he says in verse 24. It's been done in God's mind. Now in my daily walk, I have to act on it, mortify the deeds of my body, mortify my wrong thinking, mortify my wrong moods, and not be controlled by my moods. Are you a moody Christian? We all are set up to be that way. I got a melancholy streak in me. My wife's not a melancholic, thank God. Because I can be melancholic. And I can see, as pastor tells me, I can see the glass half empty. And he's a half full kind of guy. Well, I need a half full guy around to balance me. Because I can be harder on me and I can just think we're not doing, I can get myself, in, we're not doing anything around here. Man, alive, let's say, I shouldn't be, I, wait, wait, talk to yourself. Come under control. Don't feed your personality bent if it's opposed to the will of God or the emotions of God. Don't listen to your heart. Don't listen to your moods. Walk in the spirit. Follow the word of God or else you abandon every project. You're, you're your own greatest enemy. You'll talk yourself out of it. Don't listen to yourself. Don't listen to the flesh. Keep in line and we'll be Keep in line with the Spirit. And the Spirit, we know where he's walking. I know at least nine footsteps of the Spirit we'll be looking at if it's in the direction of love, faith, hope, goodness, kindness. I know I'm at least walking the right way. Keep in step with the Spirit. And we're going to be looking at where he walks. And so you have an idea. God doesn't produce doubt. God doesn't produce all of this down on yourself, down on the promises. Nobody loves me. There's no future. I just read Proverbs 20 this morning that a man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. So I could say, Lord, you're in charge of my steps. Are you not? Yes, keep in line with my will. 
I'll get you there. I've got the path. And he's got a path for you. And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Questions, comments about the program, as always, we would love to hear from you. You can reach out to us by visiting our website, truthfortodayradio.org, or by giving us a call, 855-833-9864. If you've got a question for Pastor Phil, you can use your smartphone. The Voice Memo app on that smartphone is a great way to reach out to us with your questions, praise reports, and comments. Simply record your question, who you are, where you're calling from, and then email it to us, tftquestions at valleybible.org. Again, that's tftquestions at valleybible.org. And again, as always, you'll find more information about Truth For Today at our website, truthfortodayradio.org, or by calling 855-833-9864. Now, Truth For Today is a listener-supported ministry. We have friends and family members who have come alongside to financially support the ministry to ensure that it continues on this radio station. Would you be a part of that family, that friendship? We'd love to hear from you. Reach out to us again. You can securely donate at truthfortodayradio.org or by calling 855-833-9864. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard.